Hello, and welcome back to The Catch. I am your host, Michael Adams, and today I'm joined by my beautiful bearded brother, John Rahimi. John, welcome to the podcast again, as always. How are you doing? What's been up? What's been new? Oh, thanks, Mike. Uh, not much. It's uh, New Year's Eve, so that's exciting. It's almost 2021, which is kind of a wild thing to think. But I've, I've realized I care less and less about New Year's uh, each year. Like, I was just talking to some people, and they were like, oh, like New Year's Eve party. I'm like, ah, that sounds awful. I want to go to bed at like 930. <laughs> Well, I think New Year's Eve is one of the more hyped up holidays in America, well, in the world just in general, but I think it's the most hyped up holiday, which leads it to be the most disappointing of them. Like, yeah. like oh, we're going to do all these crazy things. And then you do, and you're like, this is just not fun. Or like the party doesn't come together the way you expect it to. Yeah. Or it just never works out the way you want it to. And every time, every year I wake up the next morning, I'm like, that was like fine, but like, it wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. <laughs> I think the one of my favorite New Year's Eves was I was home alone because I think my whole family got invited to a wedding except for me. And so they all left and I bought two bottles of sparkling grape juice, the Welch's one. And I remember going to the store and the guy there was like partying alone tonight. And I was like, how'd you know? <laughs> I just sat like in my basement watching movies, eating pizza, drinking it out of the bottle because I was by myself. <laughs> It sounds really this? sad, but was this was in college. This is in college. <laughs> I was imagining you being like a 12 year old with like a full bottle of like sparkling grape juice, just, <laughs> just like taking it out of the bottle, just relaxing with like a big robe on or something. <laughs> no, I think I was like 19. It's not only exciting because it's New Year's and this will actually come out. This is our first podcast within the new year, within 2021, which I always think is funny because I think. 2020 has been such a hard year for people that everyone's like, oh, 2020 is over. All the suffering and struggling and all the issues of 2020 are over. And it's like, well, looks like it might be carried a little bit on to 21. Yeah. I hope not. But <laughs> I always just think that's funny. It's like, oh, it's completely over. We can just forget everything that happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I was actually saying was it actually, there's some more events that were going on in your life recently. Um, you recently became an old man. What? Oh, yes. I turned 24. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my birthday was a couple of days ago, uh, so that was exciting, but it wasn't nearly as exciting because apparently we didn't celebrate my birthday in my family. We celebrated Brian's birthday for some stupid reason. I'm not Aww. bitter about it. Literally, so yeah. like we, got, we got the cake, we put the candles in, like lighting. I brought it in. I was like, oh, they're all singing happy birthday to me. This is so nice. My, my whole family was there. My brother was in from Texas with his newborn baby girl. His wife was there. My other brother with his wife was there. My brother, parents, and my grandma. And so everyone was there. And then we sing happy birthday and Brian starts to blow out the candles. And then everyone claps for Brian, even though his birthday is not till April. So whatever. Did they clap for you after you did your candles? No, I just walked out angrily. Oh. <laughs> Yell at Brian and walk yeah. away. <laughs> so who's the, who's the real two and a half year old, Brian or me? Probably me. <laughs> up for debate still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've experienced the same thing. Like once grandkids are a factor, um, in the family like I have you know five nieces and nephews at this point it was completely overshadowed and I grew oh, yeah. up as you did as the youngest, the youngest in the family child. yeah and you know we're used to a little bit extra attention and then the grandkids come and just strip you away from it and you're just like wait a second that's me I, I am the one who gets the special treatment yeah he got his comeuppance though because since we had my my niece who's only like a month old she was kind of the center of the attention because she's adorable 
and she has huge ears. She was a little monkey, <laughs> but uh, he would saw her and he kept saying, my cousin is a cheetah. And we were like, the heck are you talking about, dude? And finally we put it together that cheetah is from Paw Patrol and cheetah is the bad guy in Paw Patrol. <laughs> so his association with his new cousin is bad guy. So we all kind of figured out, okay, Brian doesn't like his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian's a little jealous. Brian is used yeah. to being the center of attention. No, that is hilarious. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Fun, fun memories. Um, but yeah, there also was another big date, another big birthday, actually, not to overshadow your birthday, which was Jesus. Oh, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but today, you know, it's New Year talking about, you know, I don't know. I think the new year and Christmas season really blend over into one and Christmas isn't technically over as we know. Um, so I think it's still fitting to actually discuss the incarnation of God and talk about, you know, the birth of Christ and discuss these kinds of things. And it seems fitting that yes, it's also Christmas season, but beginning of the new year and just kind of, you know, we're about to enter in till, you know, Lent in just a few weeks here. And, you know, we're going to be preparing for, before we know it's going to be Easter. So wanted to dig into, you know, why did God become man? And, you know, what did that do? And what did that mean for us? You know? Yeah. These are, these are good questions. I'm excited. Yeah, no, this is a, you and I were already riffing on this earlier yeah. today, which is kind of funny, just completely on accident, not even in relation to the podcast. So we probably should have been recording earlier, but yeah. here, we'll try again. Um, you know, one of the first things that happened, you know, when I was kind of starting my journey in the faith was you start hearing these big words you know, what does this word mean? You know, you have like the incarnation, for example, is one of those ones. I was like, you know, I know what it is, but like if I had to like define it and be like, oh, could you explain what the incarnation is? I'd be like, something. <laughs> it's related to Christmas, I think. <laughs> like, you know, I would be kind of confused. Um, you, you know, there's just some of those words that are kind of older that you don't always get explained to you. So first I just want to be like very black and white, you know, you know, what is the incarnation, which we'll just define quickly as God becoming man, you know, God becoming human through Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we were talking about this right before this, you know, why, why was it necessary or why was it fitting really is probably the better way of saying it, that God would become man. Uh, you, you know, there's always been those debates of, was it really, did he, why did he become man? And, you know, why did he die on the cross? Couldn't he have just saved us from sin in a much more simple way rather than doing this? Uh, so first I wanted to kind of get your thoughts and opinions on that. You know, why is it fitting that he became man to save us? And why couldn't he have just, you know, snapped his fingers and done the same? Yeah. So um, I'm going to riff slash just quote St. Bernard. Um, but uh, one thing I think just right off the bat, right, is that we have to recognize uh, if we truly take God for who he is and we believe what he says about himself, that he is love, then um, it makes sense that he would want to save us in such a way that communicates his absolute love and that he takes, as my spiritual director says, he takes his love for us with absolute seriousness. So we'd want to involve us and get as close to us as possible. So snapping our, his fingers isn't exactly the most intimate way of doing things. You know, like if you were getting married and all you do is snap your fingers instead of like being with, you know, your bride to be and staring into their eyes as you profess your vows to them. Like that seems a lot better than just going like we're married. That would kind of be kind of lame. Um, so St. Bernard says, um, 
the incarnation teaches us how much God cares for us and what he thinks and what he feels about us. Um, in that, right, he takes on a human heart and now can manifest and disclose his desire and his feeling and his, um, his love and closeness to us. And also, he says, let us think about all the Lord has done for us, and then we shall realize how his goodness appears through his humanity. The lesser he became through his human nature, the greater was his goodness. The more he lowered himself for me, the dearer he is to me. Which is true. Because if you think about it, if you like go back to when you were a kid, we were just talking about my nephew, like a, a two-year-old. Uh, imagine like you want your father to come close to you, like to get down on his hands and knees and crawl under the table with you, like to, to roll around on the ground with you and play with you. Like that's what you do. Like I was playing race cars with Brian, like, and he wanted me to get on all fours and like roll the car on the ground with him, not just stand and watch over him. He wants the closeness. So like, we also want that closeness. God, the father in love wants to be close because he knows that's good for his child. Yeah, I <laughs> couldn't be, could have been said or but said better. I really loved that example of you and Brian, and it kind of paints it very clearly. And again, I think it's important to know that yeah, he could have done it in maybe a more simple, simplistic way, like a snap of the fingers. Yeah. Um, but again, it was so fitting that he would actually become man to yeah. redeem our humanity and to really teach us a couple of things about our humanity, which we'll talk on later. Yeah. You know, when we're discussing, you know, what did the incarnation do for us? You know what do we actually gain from it when we look back on it? Um, but I think it's just uh, beautiful to really set the stage for when we're discussing this of, yes, he could have done it in many different ways, but out of love and mercy, he chose to do it in such a way that he would become one of us. And, you know, we talked about this earlier, this example of him becoming one of our brothers. Uh, God became our brother and led us out of slavery of sin. Mm -hmm. We kind of likened that backwards to when Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting. Sometimes we look back on biblical stories, how transferable they are to the life of Christ and just mm -hmm. to the world in general. But really, I think that's beautiful translation of here's this one example already of Mo Moses doing this and leading the people out of slavery in Egypt. And now God sees fitting that, yes, I must become a brother of my creation that way I can lead them physically out of the slavery of sin. Yeah. He like, um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, it was like, you know, he, he wants to show his love, but also wants us to love um, through. It's all about, I don't know. I just keep going back to relationship. It's all about relationship. Um, like, you know, God doesn't, give us self-knowledge and I kind of going to, I just think about what you said about how the incarnation shows us about our own humanity and stuff like that. Um, but like God doesn't do self-knowledge uh, for us by just like having us go to the adoration chapel or like sit in church or whatever. Um, and just kind of like zap us with like, and now you know everything like he has it laid out in such a way where like we go, like we pray with, with him we talk to him we, we spend time with him and then we go out into the world and we interact with people and then realize our weakness and our fallenness and all the things that are like wrong or the good things too and then bring them back to prayer with god and then relate those things to him so like we learn through the relationships that we have and then we present those encounters to god and then through that encounter we learn more about ourselves and more learn we learn more about god at the same time mm -hmm. so like having moses show up um 
in that example, it's like the Israelites had to relate to Moses. And then that tells them something about themselves and how they relate to God because they got really mad at Moses after they left Egypt. They're like, it'd be better if we were just back in Egypt being slaves and dying. And he's like, are you serious? <laughs> you wanted freedom and now you're upset. So like, that is how they relate to God. Like they get frustrated really quickly and all that stuff, but it's, it's through their, the humanity and the human relationship that, um, that kind of self-knowledge gets disclosed and informed. Mm -hmm. And before we move on to kind of the, the second half of the podcast, I do want to talk about that of what it did to actually allow us to come to know God. Like you said, mm. he came there and we, now we can know him in a more intimate, yeah. true way. And we talked about this earlier too, of, you know, the purpose of creation as well as, you know, the purpose of the incarnation, what that did for us in a relationship to God. And again, this is kind of stealing directly from Thomas Aquinas, but yep. The, the man, the myth, the legend, but originally, you know, we created out of love and mercy that we could come to know God, but not only come to know God, the father, but come to know the Trinity and mm -hmm. come to not only know it, but understand it and live mm -hmm. in relationship and union with it. Mm -hmm. Then through the fall, obviously that union was broken. And big then yikes. we are, what? Big yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yikes, Adam and Eve. Um, but now through the incarnation, our human nature is redeemed. And like you said, we now actually are able to come to know the Trinity in a deeper level than we had been prior to that. Because not mm -hmm. only is our soul united to God, but our soul and our body are also united to God. Uh, I know you had some stuff to say on this. So I wanted to let you talk about it, but I wanted to make sure we actually hit that before diving in because that was, it was very profound for me to hear. A whole 30 seconds ago before we started the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, let me see if I can catch lightning in a bottle here twice. Um, so, yeah, okay. So actually, this is something that Michael was talking about before too. So Catherine of Siena, right, says something about like the our sensuality of, as humans and our, our sensual lust keeps us from acknowledging and knowing the light of God, right? Yes, she comes in what they call is like the light of the intellect, which okay. the light of the intellect is what shine lights on knowledge and understanding of the Trinity, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, pre the fall, so when Adam and Eve were in the garden, we have um, your humanity, uh, human creatures. They're there. They're perfect. They're without sin, and they're relating to God, uh, as we hear it said. Like they walk in the garden, they talk with Him, right? but they're not talking in a physical way like you and I are talking right now or like how we imagine the apostles talked to Jesus because God wasn't incarnate at that point in time. He was still just spirit. So they're relating to him in contemplation through that intellect, right? They're contemplating the light. And so it's a spiritual relation. Uh, and then when concupiscence enters through sin, uh, it's weighed down. So then Christ becoming man and taking on our fallen human nature elevates our fallenness and brings the human our humanity and our flesh our body into this union with the trinity whereas before i'd just been the spirit that was relating um and that was what because that's the image and likeness this isn't as clear as i said it last time i'm realizing but hopefully it's making some sense um basically pre-fall it's just the spirit relating with god and then when christ comes and brings and unites himself to our, our human nature and takes that on he draws that up along with our spirit to union with the Trinity as we enter into his body. So we become part of the body of Christ. So now we are body and soul united with the Trinity, not just soul. Okay. I think that makes more sense. It makes a lot of sense. And actually leads me directly into like the first bullet point I have for the effects of the incarnation and not just, you know, obviously 
what we just talked about, but more so in a more specific way of what does it do for our lives now? Um, and specifically the first one is right off that with the human body, uh, where our human body is actually redeemed. We're able to go body and soul to God now. Yeah. And the first one is it shows that the human body is a place to glorify God. Um, and yeah, it, like it gives our body value and dignity, mm. which beforehand we might not have really understood that. We still, to this day, struggle to understand that as humanity. Mm-hmm. But this shows perfectly that the human body is a place where we not only should glorify and honor God, but can glorify and honor God through the example of Christ. Yeah. That's interesting. So is it like, yeah, we're talking about like, you know, you, um, if we want to give like total work, I think of like with the, the Jewish people back in the day, right. When they didn't have this, but they still said um, in the famous prayer, the, the Shema, right. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, um, with all your strength. Like there's a sense of like your entirety is mm-hmm. worshiping God, but how do you do that? If it, your body's not part of that, right. Like that. So like with the incarnation, with, uh, with Christ, like we get a sense of like your body now is a place to glorify God. It's like the entirety of your, your, what makes you a human person, your body and soul get to worship God and get to praise him and glorify him together. It's not just like, it's only my mind. It's only my spirit and my, it's everything, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Exactly. And that leads perfectly to the second point, which is the example of Christ. Cause we can say yes beforehand. How are we able to actually offer our entire selves to God when really all we're able to offer ourselves is our soul. Now Christ comes and we're able to offer our body and our soul. But we've never really seen that. We've never experienced that. How do we actually do that? Therefore, God sends us Christ to actually show us and reveal to us the human nature of this is how you offer yourself to me, not only through your soul, but now also through your body, because I've given you myself, given you my son to show you and lead you in that. I like that's cool. Yeah. So what what do you think? What What does this look like? What is it? what's something we look at Christ and say like, this is how you glorify and how is he glorifying God in his body? I mean, other than dying on a cross. <laughs> well, there's the one I'm big one yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, but I think it's, I think it's the little things. And yeah. I don't think just like the body and like the physical way of like, Oh, Jesus was yoked out of his mind or like, you know, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus got a lot of sleep at night or anything like that. Um, but I often think so like the things that we do with our body, the ways that we use our body, uh, and I, it oftentimes like his physical touch is mm. one of the things that really has struck me when he'll put his lay his hand on someone when he's healing them. Um, just like the signif- like what that signifies in my mind is one way. Um, but I think honestly, when we look at it, we should be looking at more of what, what didn't he do and what, what is the norm of today? Mm. Uh, and I think right away is the one thing that comes to mind, like the sensuality, lust, all of those things we can look to Christ and in his perfect humanity did not struggle with that, um, which would be fun. But either way, we can. I think it's really beneficial to look at that and say, okay, he saw the world that I see. Um, he saw people living lives that I see them living their lives. He saw them committing arduous sins that I see the world committing. Yet, he chose not to follow that path. He chose not to leave, live mm-hmm. that life. And I think personally, that's one of the more ways that I see the example of actually unifying the body to God. But also you can think of when he's, how he prays, how he 
relates to the disciples, how he relates to his mother, to his father, to strangers. And I think more so, honestly, that might be, I'm kind of just rambling through at this point, trying to like hit something. But I think really that might be the greater example is truly how he prayed, how he spoke, how he related to one another. Um, it's less of like the physical body, but it's truly how we use it. I love that dude. That's so good. It's getting really close to home. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's all of that, right? I think that actually, uh, you know, kind of cute maxim where you say like you, you play how you practice. Like yeah. he lives his whole life this way that you're describing. And then like, what's the result is the, is the total self gift on the cross. So it's not like a, oh, then he just kind of did the cross too. It's like, no, like this is coming out of like his whole life is, is moving in that direction. So everything is oriented towards it um, and feeds into it in that way. So it's all kind of mm -hmm. integrated together as a whole. But I, yeah, I just, I think you're right. Like the, the use of touch and the way he, he holds people, like that's been really big for me recently is praying with some of that, like God's hand, like on the shoulder, even just like walking, like just yeah. like that, that constancy. Um, even just like even praying with some of like, when Jesus was like a young man, you know, like how did he relate to the people around him? Cause he definitely experienced temptation. Like we know that because mm -hmm. the Bible says so <laughs> the devil comes and tempts him. He knows what it's like to experience the temptation towards that. But I think like the more we sit with that and kind of like understand for us, okay, I know I experienced temptation in my life. How do I respond to it? Well, how do I, how do I see Jesus respond to it in utter total dependence and a turning towards God, mm -hmm. like not the self will or the self-reliance of I can, manage this myself but like no i have the i turn to god for my refuge um yeah and under the shadow of his wings i'm safe there so like knowing that his hand is is constantly upon me and i don't need to go out and like kind of um like be seeking or scrounging for it i think is is kind of one of those things right because I, I don't know we talked about this before but like the lustful heart is the heart that's you know, scratching and clawing and seeking and scrounging for, for what it wants mm -hmm. or for what, what, what will fulfill it. Um, and Christ doesn't do that. He doesn't show us that in his humanity. He shows a, a receptivity and a dependence on the father. Yeah. The two things come to mind. The first one is um, what you just said about him being tempted. Cause I think in Christ's perfection, oftentimes we don't look towards his temptation. We just look to, he was perfect. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. <laughs> Therefore, how can I relate to him? Uh -huh. How can I truly look to him and live an like live under his example yeah. um, or really live under his wings, like you said? And I think it's so important to remind ourselves of the temptation. And again, it's in the Bible. You can read about those temptations and read the reactions, read what he says. Um, but I think we have to understand that temptation was not absent to him. His reaction to temptation is probably a lot different than many of ours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but temptation in itself was not absent. And he experienced what we experience in that temptation, just the same. Um, and the second thing that came to mind, uh, which I'm kind of drawing a, a blank on right now, but I think, yes, it was about uh, the use of his body. And we think of like mm. the mirror, we think of the miracles is really what I'm thinking about. And when you think of like a miracle, again, it seems to be this very spiritual, like really based in the soul. It seems to be like a very, you know, yeah, again, spiritual act. But we look at how Christ did it and he used his body to perform these. It was the soul working within the body 
and the body was its vessel that it used. And so therefore, again, we have this example of him actually using his physical body. And the one that I'm really drawn to initially is um, the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Because not only is he one using his own body and his own human nature to do this, but he's also doing it to satiate the hunger and the thirst of thousands of other human bodies. And I think that again is a perfect example of how we can actually unite our body to God through our actions. Yeah. I'm thinking of the, I mean, at first I just love what you just said, cause that was, it was beautiful, but I was thinking of the, I think you wrote an article about this a long time ago, but uh, the woman hemorrhaging who touches his, his cloak. Yes. Like it says like he felt power flow out of him. Right. And it's like, yeah. Ooh, okay. It's so like he had, and it's not even like his body, it's his clothes that she touches. And he like, so there's a, there's a tangible like physicality there. Yeah. But what's cool is like the way you were phrasing this, it just made me think like, this is so sacramental, right? Like the, we talk about form and matter in the sacraments, like, uh, and it's the, it's a visible sign of an invisible reality. Mm-hmm. So like the invisible reality is being manifested in the physical. Mm-hmm. So like our body has something important to communicate about who we are. So I think what you said like about, about touch and how we, how we use our, our bodies actually like is important in how we communicate ourselves to other people and how we communicate ourselves to other people and what we're trying to communicate to other people. Like, I think of like, if you're trying to show like, you know, affection and love towards, you know, friends or family or whatever, like the way you maybe like move towards them or like position yourself or like, you know, a touch of the shoulder or hand or whatever, like some gesture of intimacy can communicate something versus, um, like it's, it's a loving, I don't know, there's like, there's a tenderness, there's a loving touch yeah. versus um, like, like the laying of hands. Like that phrase just strikes me right now, but versus this kind of like the grasping and the groping, like yeah. not to be too graphic, but like that idea of like, I'm grasping at something that I want to take for myself to possess versus I'm, I'm trying to enter into union with this, this thing in a, mm-hmm. while, while maintaining that others subjectivity and not trying to make it an object for myself to use yeah and john you know talking about sacraments i think we might as well just move on to that one too okay um (laughs) you're just on top of me today but yeah so the next reason because again going from the one what it meant for the human body you know the example of christ but now like you said with the sacraments and the physicality of those sacraments Mm -hmm. one thing we have to remember is how wrong humanity can get religion and how wrong it can be practiced and how wrong it can be done and how wrong it is practiced and done. Whatever do you mean, Michael? (laughs) And how wrong it had been done in the past prior to Christ. And we have to remember these things of the faults of humanity and our own imperfection. And now we have Christ who comes to be man, to be physical with us, and to establish his church, and to establish sacraments. And these sacraments are what teach us and show us how to practice religion properly, and how to practice the Christian faith properly. He gives us these guidelines. He gives us these sacraments that we can go back to day after day, week after week, year after year, and know confidently that we are practicing the faith the way that Christ, and the way that God, the Father, intended us to practice it. Yeah, so are you what do you mean by we're practicing? Is it just because he instituted it? 
So I think there's two things. One, yes, he instituted it, and therefore we can be confident that the sacraments are true and confident yeah. that what we are doing is correct. But I think more so, what's more impactful for me is that looking at why were the sacraments created? Not mm-hmm. just, you know, why are they true and why do we do them, but why were they actually created? And Christ came to create these sacraments to show us how to practice the faith properly. Kind of like when he gave us the Our Father and he's like, okay, this is how you pray. And we can be confident that this is how we do it. And we are doing it correctly. We are praying correctly. And the same is true with the sacraments. He gives us these sacraments and says, this is how you can truly practice your faith. This is how you can truly live in unity with your God. There it is. Yeah. 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 Cause the sacraments, right. They're not just like the magic, uh, the magic pillar, just like something you do to like fulfill an obligation or yes, whatever. I mean, it's part of that is right. Like we, we owe worship to God um, because he's God. Um, but it's about, you know, like the sacraments are primarily about drawing us into union with him. Like they strengthen mm-hmm. our, our life with him and in him. Uh, like Eucharist clearly, right. Body of Christ confession, like that grace baptism being the most important one, <laughs> like right off the bat in the beginning. Um, and all the other ones, like it's all about drawing you deeper into the Trinitarian life. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And something I'm just kind of thinking of too is, you know, in any religion, you can say that there are, you know, the core fundamentals, the core practices that mm-hmm. in the beginning of that religion were said, this is what the faithful will do. Yeah. Um, and again, if you're having a, if you're having a human, not Christ, just like a normal human create this, there's bound to be imperfections in it because we are imperfect and that's okay. So therefore Christ needed to become man and needed to actually establish his church and needed to establish these sacraments because when Christianity is beginning, how do we practice it? If it was just left to the apostles, I, I kind of think they would have messed something up. Um, <laughs> but again, like I said, there, there's those key practices, those key core values that one will do to be faithful. And God found it necessary to send Christ to actually establish what those would be for the Christian life, which would be therefore the sacraments. Yeah. I mean, like, and to, to maintain relationship with him, right. Cause if yep. he hadn't, like, he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, so how does it, how does it continue? How do we continue on in relationship? Which is also one of just the most beautiful things of, of the, the Christian faith, especially Catholicism is that like what we hold and profess is that uh, especially in the Eucharist that God is present. Jesus Christ is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. So we get to receive him totally, which is more, when you think about it, this is more than the apostles in mm-hmm. a certain sense. Like, yeah, they got to see him and talk to him and all that. We get to literally eat his flesh and consume him and be drawn like in, into him. Like normally when you eat food, you uh, that food becomes like your energy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can kind of think of Eucharist like that. Reality is that like we become Christ. Like we yeah. get brought into what we've just consumed, which is kind of a wild paradox, but like, Very. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So like, that's the intimacy that God wants to and, and, and throughout our life it's you know it's to maintain this this relationship so um yeah it's just wild <laughs> it's no beautiful. it is extremely wild um and ex- extremely beautiful i i will not deny that and the last thing the last really point i have and if you have more to add on we can um this may have been kind of riffing with of recent and you know catherine siena has, has says a lot about this idea uh, with virtues and, you know, if you're trying to grow in a virtue, 
how do you actually grow in it? And if you're trying to fight a vice, how do you actually fight that vice? Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what she says is opposites heal. So the pride of mankind and the pride of humanity needed to be healed and it needed to be redeemed. So how can that be redeemed? Well, it has to be redeemed through humility. Ooh, baby. Because pride and humility are opposites. Therefore, God had to use Christ as an instrument of humility, not only in the point of becoming a child and allowing his own servants to care for him and to raise him, but also in the humility of actually dying on the cross, which again, like we talked last week, is not something, it's not a beautiful death. It's not something that people in that day and age were looking on and saying, look at that, that's courageous. No, like that was a way that like, again, thieves and criminals were put to death in that way. It wasn't some heroic, like dying in battle. It was being crucified. Again, humility followed him throughout that entire journey from his conception and his birth all the way to his death and resurrection. And therefore, finally, our the human nature of our pride can be redeemed and we can be restored into relationship with him, body and soul. A freaking man, man. Oh, dude. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to like, add to that would just i just uh point to the the litany of humility the last um one of the lines in there it's like one of the last four maybe um but it's like in the eyes of the world um that i may decrease um and others may increase Mm -hmm. um and that line that i think i quoted to you when we talked the other week uh earlier this week the let us be conformed to the glorious failure of the cross Mm -hmm. so like yeah, like in the eyes of the world, it's going to look pretty bad uh, yeah. following Christ. Like, no, like, did I get ready for that? I guess. I mean, like, <laughs> to like, there's no, there's no prosperity gospel here, people. Yeah. Like, um, be very careful of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're thinking like everything's going to be great, go read John 15. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's not. Like, the servant is no greater than the master. And if the master suffered and was humiliated, and this all happened be ready for suffering in your life because of the humility that you're taking on and accepting. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't mean there's no like reward or joy or delight to be found in this life. That Mm -hmm. is like, this is like virtue is a part of that because the more you grow in virtue, the more it becomes a part of you and you actually delight in doing that thing. Um, Maybe we can do a podcast on that sometime. I actually have some thoughts about that, especially with St. Joseph, but like, uh, there's a joy to be had in the humility and dependence because you're receiving everything as a gift. And if you, when you receive a gift, you're usually pretty joyful, you know, like I, we just had Christmas. Right. And when you get a gift, you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to like have receive that. Um, so if we, if we are humble and we depend on the father as Christ did, we're looking at everything as a gift from the father who loves us. He's giving it out of love. And so I receive it with gratitude um, and with delight. And so now like my humility is not a source of, you know, pain and suffering and misery, but rather a source of delight and joy. doesn't mean your life is going to be this happy go lucky thing all the time, but still like there's a deep sense of contentment at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, that, uh, this went way better than I expected it to. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, John, for joining in on that conversation and yeah, thank you for- guys for all listening. Uh, John and I always appreciate it. Uh, we will be praying for you. Please continue to pray for us. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or just want to chat, reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. We'll be happy to help in any possible way. 
And before we go, guys, we got two quick words. The first is from our buddies over at Covenant Eyes and their porn fighting software. If you are looking to ditch that addiction right now, um, especially with Lent coming up in the near future, if you're looking for a little bit extra accountability and help, make sure to check out Covenant Eyes and their resources using the link in the bio today, and they will um, surely help you. I've experienced it with many friends who have used their software and I've checked it out myself. I definitely trust it and think they're doing really great things. So make sure to go check them out and use the code catch 30 for a 30 day free trial. And then lastly, our buddies over at Bishop Sheen rosaries have incredible, durable, handmade rosaries. Um, they will never break. I can almost guarantee you that unless you cut them with something really like a chainsaw or something. Um, but make sure to go check them out and uh, enjoy a 10% off on the catch using the code catch 10 yeah, until next time, we will see you guys later. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye.